We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. No guests, no Jack, just me. An express recap of the Nets' overtime win over the Spurs, 121-119. Cam Thomas with his first NBA game winner. Credit to him. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. But check the buzz on all streaming platforms. And, you know, this game wasn't very enjoyable. It was a roller coaster. It felt like there would be a meltdown that led to a loss. Luckily, Nets pulled it out in overtime. And like I said, Cam was able to step up in the moment and hit that big shot. We saw it a little bit in summer league. We saw a little bit in his college career. Doing it at the NBA level should do some great things for his confidence. Obviously, a guy that's not necessarily lacking confidence, but even the confidence of his teammates and his coaching staff. Maybe Steve Nash looks to lean on him a little bit more moving forward, and he leaned on him in that situation. We heard Cam after the game talk about the play design it was essentially a Kevin Durant ISO but they had Cam as the release valve and Cam took advantage of that opportunity because his ability to not only shoot the ball but put the ball on the floor and make a play and it was great to see him look confident and comfortable in that situation and go to his go-to move which is the floater so happy for him to really do that and you know not necessarily his best game either as a pro but it was able to step up in the big moment and knock down the big shot but Getting to why the game got to overtime and got to this point is, you know, an issue the Nets have been having. You know, this is an issue we saw against the Clippers. This is an issue that we've seen against some other, you know, bad teams. We saw it against the Pacers, and that's where we're able to kind of pull out that win. They obviously had the luxury of having Kyrie Irving on that team, too. But at home, no Kyrie. You saw some of those issues that have been reoccurring for the Nets, but still, there were opportunities to probably blow out this Spurs team, a Spurs team that was you know, missing multiple players due to injury, COVID protocol, whatever it might be. And at that, in that second quarter, especially at the end of the second quarter, we saw the Nets go on a 21-6 run. And that felt like, oh, wow, this might be a turning point. And then there was good moments in the third. You know, I think the lead got as big as 16, but just some 
some mental errors, some careless plays. Next thing you know, Spurs have it close. They're still within range and striking distance, and the Nets allowed them to score 38 in that third. And then the fourth quarter, it's pretty much you know even keel for both teams, 24 to 22. And the Spurs capitalized late in that fourth because the Nets turned it up midway through the fourth and were able to build up that double-digit lead around that four-minute mark. They don't score a basket for minutes, and the Spurs end the game on a 10-0 run and forces the overtime. And even an OT, you know. Not the greatest stuff. It was <laughs> there was two tip in baskets and Cam Thomas obviously hit a game wither on a floater. It was eight to six in overtime period and there's just a lot of issues right now for the Nets, and some of it's just not being crispy. Some of it's just not having that needed synergy, and also some of it's just issues with the roster and understanding needing balance in different spots. And you know, Steve Nash today played a lot of rookies, so there were plenty of rookie mistakes in this one, and I think. Rookie mistakes are typically something you can live with more so than a veteran being careless or a veteran, you know, not hustling or making those energy plays. And that's one thing I think for the rooks that you always appreciate is like these guys are playing hard. They're going to make a mistake. It's probably going to be at a really high level in terms of I'm trying to do too much or I'm just not experienced enough in this situation to understand what to do. So a lot of hot and cold in this one. I would probably say, you know, more cold given the competition they were facing and, you know, allowing the Spurs to even have an opportunity to get this game in overtime. It's an issue. But at the end of the day, you know, five game uh, home losing streak is now ended and hopefully they can move forward and continue to build upon this and, you know, find things that worked in this game. And I think one thing from a positive perspective that really worked well in this game, and this is a area I think the Nets really need to lean into, especially at home and if they're going to play the young guys. And that's getting more active in transition, specifically a guy like James Harden. You know, we talked about that L.A. trip and the the matchups he had against the Clippers and the matchup he had against the Lakers and how he looked so spry and energetic. In those games, we saw him attack and transition a lot and take advantage of these opportunities. You know, there's a couple times tonight where the Spurs were maybe a second or two late or maybe not even that far late getting back in transition, but Harden saw the back of a big and was able to push the basketball and either create a lane for himself or just create some chaos for the Spurs defensively. And that set up some guys to get some easy cuts, some easy oops, some easy shots. Obviously, the shot making is an issue, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So I think with the shot making being such an issue transition is the opportunity to provide yourself a lot of easy buckets and there's some guys in this team that can really run you know especially like I said if they're going to lean into playing the rookies a little bit more especially you know a Kessler Edwards uh, uh, David Duke Jr even a young guy like Nick Claxton who likes to get out and run like there's opportunities to score easy baskets in transition and today you know 20 points for the Nets and fast break opportunities and that helps kind of make up some of the lackluster production from the three-point line another three-point game for the Nets 8 of 28 didn't even produce double-digit three-point makes. And this is becoming a reoccurring problem for this team. Some of it's just strictly because they don't have Kyrie Irving and they don't have Joe Harris, but some of it also is just roster construction and guys having, you know, criminally bad seasons from three. You know, we even saw guys that are good three-point shooters on the Nets miss some threes today. Obviously, Patty Mills has been in that slump. 3 of 12 today. KD, who hasn't been having a great three-point shooting season, but he's usually good for 2 of 5 or, you know, 1 of 4 or something like that one of five today just not able to produce the one guy who was able to produce was Kessler Edwards two of two from the three-point line some promising minutes from him and you know some hot and cold too but overall getting back to the point transition is an area where I'd like to see the Nets turn it up and a lot of that has to do with their point guard and that is James Harden you know a guy who 
isn't always known for pushing the basketball, likes to over dribble a little bit and run those half court sets. But as he gets older and has he has less options offensively and maybe he's not creating as much or maybe there's not as much space for him to operate, you know, transition you're catching the defense off balance. You're catching a matchup that you might like. So I think that's where we need to see James Harden really attack more. And one guy who did push the basketball a lot today too was Cam Thomas. You know, a rookie came in there, especially early in that first quarter. There was a couple opportunities where maybe he overpushed it. But hey, you want to create those opportunities to create some easy buckets for your team. And that's what can really happen, especially when you do have, you know, the occasional good defensive possessions. Like the Nets have been able to force a, a good chunk of turnovers, grab some steals, you know, they have guys that have, you know, good hands on this team with James Harden, with DeAndre Bembry. Like there's guys that can force those deflections, force those passes, kind of get those plays in transition. And that's something I'd like to see them do a little bit more. And obviously we know when Kyrie's back on the road games, Kyrie is a guy that likes to push. He's essentially a one man fast break. We saw him against the Pacers, you know, have some one on three opportunities and still score the basketball. So transition, something I like to see this team continue to lean on specifically one of their superstars in James Harden. So, you know, that's one plus we can kind of take away from this from now because like I said the three-point production isn't there and what that does is create more problems for half-court offense because what we saw a lot today was the Spurs condense the floor give KD a lot of attention and also just kind of lock down that paint so even when the Nets did get some good paint opportunities at times if it wasn't in transition there was one or two bodies there and it forced either a tough make at the rim or it forced you know a missed shot and that ended up being a rebound or a transition opportunity for the Spurs on the other end so Nets need to find ways to attack differently than what they've ha- have in the past because the roster just isn't the same. They're missing some of those those talented players and you know, you need to find other ways to capitalize. And getting a little bit more to the three-point shooting, 8 of 28. I thought this was a really great point brought up by somebody on uh Twitter as well is it's harder for the Nets to maintain leads because they're always getting outshot at the three-point line. So hey, you know, Nets up 10, we have two possessions, the Nets make, you know, they miss one shot, make one shot, that's two points, the other team knocks down two threes, now you're looking at a four point differential, where in the past, it felt like the Nets were winning a three point battle every single night, and now at times it's tough for them to just generate open looks, so that lack of three point production is a big hindrance to the team, especially when they're in those half court sets, because not only are they not getting those points, but they're not providing the spacing. And that's leading to more difficult looks and difficult takes for guys like Kevin Durant and James Harden. So really that's going to be an issue to Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving come back, or we see, you know, some type of roster move, but getting more so to this specific game, uh, a big issue for why the Spurs were even able to kind of keep it close were the turnovers. You know, this is a game where the Nets committed 21 turnovers. And we're not talking against an elite, you know, San Antonio Spurs team. You know, they have some good defenders. They have some talent. But again, like I mentioned at the top of the show, a lot of guys out due to inter- injury, COVID protocol, whatever it might be. And those turnovers allowed the Spurs to stay in the game. 29 points off turnovers. That's that's just something that you can't allow to happen against a team, like I said, missing a a lot of guys not great defensively not elite offensively you know 
cut down the turnovers to probably 10, we're looking at a 10-point regulation win for the net. So just these mental mistakes. And a lot of the times, it wasn't even necessarily forced by the Spurs. It was just kind of like a little bit too lax, a little bit too careless, and not making the right plays. And some of that, too, is just going to be rookies making rookie mistakes. And I think that's something you live with. But at the end of the day, 21 turnovers against a team like this, against any team, is really unacceptable. Definitely something you want to see cut down. And a big reason for, like I said, why the Spurs were able to keep themselves in the game and be able to push it to overtime. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But looking uh, player to player in this one, you know, I think only right to start with Cam Thomas. 11 points, 4 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 4 turnovers. Like I mentioned, this probably wasn't one of his best games as a pro, but was able to step up late, hit the clutch shot, hit the game winner, and you saw some of the other areas where he can have an impact. You know, I think the ball handling, like I mentioned, pushing the pace a little bit. Three-point shot is becoming a little bit of a concern. You know, you'd like to see him knock down a few, even if it's one of three, one of four, just continuing to get the respect from that area. But as we've alluded to on other Brooklyn Buzz podcasts, you know, he's still able to create a little bit of gravity because of his ability to attack closeouts, his ability to kind of use that leverage he's gaining in that closeout situation to get to the paint or get to a mid-range shot he feels really comfortable with. So the three-point shot something that's going to come. I think – In this one, too, there was a couple spots where maybe he was in a little overzealous in attacking or, you know, attacking without having a plan or understanding what the defense was trying to do. You know, it led to some turnovers, led to some bad plays. But 
like I alluded to, you know, rookie mistakes are going to happen. Cam needs to play so he can kind of get these, you know, get some of these bad shots out of his diet, some of these bad takes, some of these bad possessions out of there and understand what he needs to do. And the only way that's really going to happen is getting reps on the floor, especially with teammates he doesn't necessarily have a ton of experience with. Yeah, he's played minutes this season, but not enough. He needs to know where Katie likes the ball, where Katie's going to cut, where James Harden's going to be. And I think defensively, you know, we saw some miscues from him in this one, be it rotations, be it on-ball defense. Wasn't his best game. But again, rookie, plenty of pluses, and you see what he can provide this team, especially offensively if he continues to push and develop with that ball handling and scoring ability and improved passing. You know, there wasn't a ton of dimes in this one, but the passing has definitely looked better at the NBA level than what we've anticipated from even summer league to now. But moving on from him, talking about, I think Nick Claxton was, had a really good game today. You know, 16 points, 14 rebounds, 7 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from the free throw, free throw line, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 turnover. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Clax actually last season had one of his best games against the Spurs in San Antonio. And tonight again, just very active. Five offensive boards, you know, had some putbacks in there. And this is a team in a matchup where you see Clax, you know, switch a lot. DeJounte Murray got the better of him a few times, but overall I think his energy and activity is something this team really relies on, especially at home. You know, one of the only players I think tonight to create a real like hurrah from the crowd after a big bucket and a big oop. And he has a little bit of the style points after the dunk, too. So continuing to improve and look like the best big on the Nets roster. And I don't even think that's anywhere close to a hot take anymore because Clax is providing more and he's less of a minus than pretty much every other big that the Nets are playing right now. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully this is kind of continued to progress for Nick Claxon and take those proper steps forward to be, you know, the starting center, the closing center, and the guy this team really relies on. And again, 33 minutes, something that we really like to see for Clax. But moving to KD, KD, 43 minutes in this one, 28 points, 11 and 21 from the field, one of five from three, five of five from the free throw line, four rebounds, six assists, one steal, three blocks, three turnovers, plus four, you know, KD was good in this game. Some of it was the Spurs taking him away and giving him a ton of attention and him understanding that and letting other guys shine. But I think at certain points throughout this game, you wanted more from Kevin Durant. You wanted to see, you know, maybe some of those post touches and allow the offense to run through him and allow him to make those plays and force, you know, force the Spurs to be punished for sending so many bodies. And I think, you know, KD looking back on it would probably take more takes and more possessions in this one and try to set those guys up. But some of it too is like, it's frustrating for a player like Kevin Durant because now he's getting these doubles, he's making the right pass and the guys aren't hitting the shots or there's just not somebody to punish him. You know, it's punished the Spurs for doubling him. There's not a three-point shooter that can knock down their shots because that guy is typically Patty Mills and Patty Mills was three of 12. So it's just like, think there is some level of frustration for Kevin Durant and doing everything all the time and seeing all these bodies and then also another game where he wasn't in super bad foul trouble but just enough to bother him because he's getting so much contact on the end of the floor and he's getting called from an occasional ticky-tack foul it's it's kind of all adding up to Durant and also this has been I don't want to say hard, but this is the hardest level of basketball KD's kind of had to play in a while. You know, last year, a lot of the time he was playing with, you know, a superstar level James Harden or playing with a superstar level Kyrie Irving. And then before that, it was Golden State. And now, you know, you're putting out some offensive lineups that really aren't super ideal and kind of pushing him to hit a lot of tough shots. Like I mentioned, you know, earlier in the show. 
there were points where the Spurs were doubling him on contest, just sending multiple bodies, and that's why he settled for that pull-up three in regulation because if he took two more steps forward, he was going to see another body. And three-point shooting for KD, I think it'll eventually start to get back to the number we want to see, but for right now, it seems like he might be in a little shooting slump. But going to the defense for Durant, this is something I felt a lot for KD, you know, especially over the last couple of games and, you know, throughout, you know, different moments throughout his career. I think off ball as a defender, he provides such an impact. You know, I've said three blocks tonight. They were just straight swats. And he kind of came out of nowhere on a couple of them as well. You know, a couple steals. I think one thing when the Nets get healthy and they start to understand what their identity is, in some situations, you don't want to necessarily put Kevin Durant on the best offensive player. You might want to put him on the worst offensive player and allow him to you know, be more of a roamer, similar to what we see the Bucks do with Giannis, where Giannis isn't an elite on-ball defender, but he's elite off-ball and able to kind of use his length to create havoc. And I think with the Nets playing small in a lot of lineups, that's something that's potentially important. And, you know, KD, credit him too, is that he does a great job off-ball switching where, you know, they're running that pick-and-roll switch. You know, now the, you know, Patty Mills has to guard Jakob Pertl. KD swooping in there real quick, creating that little rotation for Patty to take KD's guy, and then KD's going to take on the bigger big. And I think that's that's one of the elements that allows the Nets to play switching style and have such, you know, a versatile defender in Durant who can really do it, all on that end of the floor so again you know this is something we typically say on the show not KD's best game but still 52 percent from the field 11 of 21 28 points four rebounds six assists three blocks and one steal there's still a lot of plus I think you just wanted to see him probably take over and then cut out some of those mistakes that he had late in the game where he just wasn't didn't seem like he was fully engaged and again you know 12 p.m game on a Sunday not everyone's going to be playing their best basketball. And moving over to the Nets' other superstar, James Harden, 26 points, 9 of 18 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 12 assists, 1 block, 6 turnovers. You know, similar to Durant in this game, you know, there's a lot of really great moments where he looked like, you know, star Harden, you know, breaking down guys one-on-one, especially when he had some good ISO possessions with space to operate he got to a spot hit those shots and then there's a couple possessions where he's over dribbling kind of getting himself caught in a bad spot where he has nowhere to get rid of the ball there's one possession late in that fourth quarter where some of it's on Harden driving that deep and not having an outlet but it's also some of it's on his teammates not providing him that outlet valve to get out of that double team that led to a turnover so Harden I wouldn't say there was much change. You know, this is probably better than what we saw in the previous game, but still not not to the level of consistency for James Harden where you feel like he's dominating. The one promise was, you know, we did see the step back look pretty good in that second half. You know, he had the one that hit front rim and then bounced in and then followed that up with a nice swoosh. So James continuing to work his way back in. And like I said, the biggest thing for Harden for me is creating easier opportunities for himself. And I think that's something that can happen in transition. And one more note on James Harden too. We saw him hit two mid-range jumpers in this one. I think that's something that Harden should incorporate into his shot diet. I think one to two mid-range jumpers a game is something that can benefit him right now because obviously he doesn't have that same athletic pop and he's not as confident and doesn't have as much space at the rim. So those elbow jumpers could be just an easy two to four points a game and just something to help keep the defense a little bit more off balance. Um, 
just, you know, we'll see what happens with Harden as he moves forward. And I'm sure, you know, he's going to probably look better and he's going to look worse in different games. It's just kind of finding some consistency for him and becoming someone the Nets can really rely on. Now, moving over to Patty Mills, former Spur, 13 points, 5 of 15 from the field, 3 of 12 from 3, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, 3 turnovers. Patty's offensive game is still in a slump right now. I think, you know, a lot of people have alluded to it being the fatigue and playing all these minutes and just, you know, his shot looking a little bit off and that three of 12, it felt that way. You know, they were able to generate him some decent looks, but some of them were also really tough looks, but you know, eventually that will come back around. At least we hope and we believe based off of what we've seen from Patty Mills, entire career. But for the time being, I think the, some of the pluses for Patty in a game like this would just be making some of those extra plays, you know, some of those fast break plays, some of those blocks, some of those transition opportunities, some of those, you know, taking on a charge or whatever it might be, those big energy plays. And even just, you know, some of the celebration I think helps incorporate the crowd and kind of get his teammates hyped up a little bit. But at the end of the day too, with Patty, like the number one skill he he's needed for is his offensive pop for this team in terms of providing that three-point shooting especially when Joe Harris is out and the Nets just need more of that and they're not getting it and I don't think it's going to change until you know Kyrie or Joe Harris is back more and he can kind of get a alleviated load and just you know steady out a little bit more but getting to the fifth start in the starting lineup we saw David Duke Jr. get a start again today you know three of five from the field um Five rebounds, one assist, six points, one turnover, one block. You know, I think, you know, we've seen enough of David Duke Jr. with the quote-unquote starters and in these moments in these different situations. And, yes, he can provide an energy, he can provide a spark, he can play some good defense, he can rebound a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, he's not giving you enough offensively and helping in that area. And I think that makes it easier for teams to condense the floor and just – creates more of a problem than a plus in what it adds. I'm not saying David Duke Jr. shouldn't get any minutes, but I think we've seen enough in that starter role um, to know that that's, that's probably not the answer and that's probably not going to solve things. So, you know, maybe they go with Bembry moving forward or maybe it's potentially trying out another rookie in Kessler Edwards who we saw today, you know, six points, 12 minutes, two or three from the field, two or two from three, three rebounds, one block, two turnovers. And again, Kess had rookie mistakes in this one. You know, some of it being positioning, some of it being an experience. You know, he had the foul in that three-point shot. But I thought there was enough pluses in the areas in which the Nets need to rationalize minutes for him in the rotation. One, just be it his ability to knock down the three-point ball. And no hesitancy from him. You know, even with Cam sometimes, he'll, you know, stay for a second, decide he wants to shoot that. Kess is pulling the trigger, knocking down the three, you know, making or missing, whatever it might be. And I think his length and body type just provide you with something different. You're you're playing smaller, but you're not playing another guard. You're playing a true forward that has athleticism that can fight for a rebound and jump up for that and can contest some plays. So in my opinion, he provides you pretty much everything that David Duke Jr. does, maybe other than the offensive rebounding and more offensively, because I think as a finisher, his, uh, his ability to knock down the three ball, and then even just like just be part of the offense and make that extra pass seems like something Kessler Edwards can do. But as I alluded to on Twitter and on previous shows, we won't really know if that's the case until he gets minutes. So yeah, it was great to see him play for 12, but we need to get him 12 for 10 games to understand where he is. And maybe some of those games that, you know, is 20 minutes, or maybe you try him in that starting lineup. He's just 
an ideal complementary piece for the modern NBA and what you want. You know, versatile defensively can switch probably, you know, one through four, you know, maybe some fives, and then offensively can make that extra pass, can set the screen, can relocate, understands, you know, what he needs to do and where he needs to be on offense and can knock down shots and can, you know, throw down dunks. Like it's as simple as that. Just a very complementary skill set. So Kess is a guy I'm really hoping we see play more, you know, in Portland or over the course of this next week because there's so many games in such a short period of time. And, you know, I think the Nets are playing like five games in seven days. So you need to make sure that you're relying on some of these young legs and these young bodies. Another young body we saw, you know, Steve Nash go to for his first real NBA minutes with a real rotation was Dayron Sharp. Played about 11 minutes in this game, seven points, three of eight from the field. Six rebounds, five offensive, one steal, one turnover. It did have three fouls. You know, Dayron Sharp was a mixed bag as well. You know, I think instantly what you see from him is his energy and his possibility uh, on the boards. But I think you also saw in this game some of his limitations. You know, he doesn't have the athletic pop as a big to really throw down and finish a lot of those dunks. Jakob Pertl got him twice at the rim. And Jakob Pertl, you know, a great rim protector and, you know, not a bad player in any way. But he's also not an elite athlete. You know, I think Daron Sharp needs to understand, like, hey, if I don't have that level athleticism to dunk over guys like a Claxton does, then maybe it's incorporated incorporating a pump fake or a layup package to kind of do that. And I think that's where it's a a big factor for his game in terms of being a little bit more positive offensively and playing off the stars and defensively, there was a good amount of hiccups. You know, a lot of it was positioning, maybe being a little overzealous, not really understanding where he needs to be and where the help was coming from or understanding that he is the help. So I think sharp out of all the rookies probably has the biggest learning curve, but also because he has the biggest task. When you play the five, you're asked to kind of be that defensive anchor. And that's just a tough task to ask a very young player that does hardly have any NBA reps. I wouldn't be surprised still, though, if he plays more minutes moving forward over the course of this week, just because Nash seems to be experimenting. And like I said, five games and seven nights. And also the rest of the Nets bigs, have not been very good. You know, Paul Millsap hasn't come off the bench, but in the minutes we did see him this season, it's not like he was earth-shattering or anything like that. And, you know, Blake Griffin continues to struggle. You know, we saw him in this game, four, uh, eight minutes, four points, one or two from the field, one rebound, one assist. And I think the issue with Blake is, He's, he's not really doing much for you defensively either, and offensively he's not providing much either. So it's just like where is the impact coming from Blake Griffin if he's you know not drawing charges, he's not you know knocking down threes, and he's not you know being able to defend at a high level. I think one thing that stuck out last year when he got traded to the Nets or when the Nets picked him off the buyout market was, wow, like he's okay in a lot of these switch situations or, you know, he's okay defensively. He looks improved on that area of the floor. And I think this season, you know, some of it could just be age and some of the movement not being there, but Blake's just not really providing that positive impact. And, you know, there's still plenty of time for him to turn around and find that groove. But right now it's just, it's not there. And it's up to Steve Nash to kind of find somebody who can provide that. And another, you know, big slash forward that's been playing decent minutes for the Nets is James Johnson. You know, eight minutes tonight, zero points, 0-1 from the field, two rebounds. He's looked a little bit more out of the flow as well. You know, I think a lot of these guys, especially a lot of these non-spacers, when they're on the floor with another non-spacer, 
the area they're looking to operate becomes more and more congested and it just becomes easier to understand who the defense needs to pay attention to. You know, I need to lock down Kevin Oran. I need to lock down Patty Mills. And after that, I'm not really scared of many of the catch and shoot opportunities. And that just makes life harder for a lot of these guys. And, you know, they're, they're not in the prime of their careers either. So they're not able to necessarily create some of these plays we want to see. So we'll see what happens with James Johnson and the rest of the bigs and the fours and kind of what they can do out there. Uh, DeAndre Bembry, you know, saw 19 minutes, continues to just do his job, you know, four points, two of four from the field, one rebound, three steals. He just plays with a ton of energy, plays great defensively and plays typically within himself offensively. So, you know, like I said, this game was a lot of hot and cold. Some of it be it that we saw a lot of rookies. We saw a lot of guys play tonight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players, which, you know, is a pretty big difference from some of the games we saw Steve Nash roll with eight guys. It's great that he's playing eleven and I think trying to find that flow in the light lineups and, you know, rotations that work because We've mentioned in the offseason, we've mentioned in the last couple of shows, there's a lot of guys in this team that provide a plus in one area and a minus in another. So it's about finding that combination where you still come out with a plus on top. And that can be tough at times given some of the limitations. And I think that's why Nash is realizing, hey, you know, we might need to rely on these rookies and find out what they have and what they can provide us to see if these are the answers that we have already on the roster or it's up to Sean Marks to go out there and make a move. So... We'll see what happens moving forward. Again, a, not a great win, but it's a win. And it ends the home re- losing streak, and maybe they can provide some momentum for tomorrow. Uh, going against the Blazers at 10 p.m., obviously one of the weirdest things you'll see in terms of NBA travel schedule stuff. Nets play today at 12 p.m. and play tomorrow at 10 p.m. in Portland. So from Brooklyn to Portland in one day, and then they'll be in Chicago on Wednesday. So a lot of stuff for the Nets to handle in terms of rotation managing minutes. But we did hear from Steve Nash after the game that Harden and KD plan to play tomorrow and make the trip. So best case scenario, I think, for those guys would be maybe we can limit their minutes. Especially, I think, James Harden's a guy where if we do want him to push the pace, we need to limit his minute load. And then obviously KD's been playing too much. But the the great thing for tomorrow is Kyrie Irving will be playing for the Nets. He can take on some of that pressure, maybe take on a bigger load than what we saw against the Pacers. And I would guess that LaMarcus Aldridge is probably good to go for that game. I'm intrigued to see how Nash managed the rotations from that game to the next game and around the rest of the week. But, you know, just hoping that they can take some of the positives from this game and continue to move forward and grab those positives and 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 take that next step as a team and get back to playing the basketball we want to see because I don't think um, it's a hot take to say over the last probably two weeks is some of the worst Nets basketball we've seen over the last two years. So it's it's important for them to get out of this slump, find their synergy, and off get the offense moving a little bit better, just finding things that work for the team. And I think defensively, it's about getting crispier. You know, the rotations aren't there, understanding when to switch and not to switch. There's some confusion on that. Guys need to communicate a little bit better. I think also some of it could be playing such heavy drop coverage most of uh, early in the season and now going to the switching style. Guys seem a little bit confused. And as Richard Jefferson pointed out on the broadcast, a lot of guys don't seem to know the scattering report on the opposing team. So um, overall, we'll take the win, move on to the next one. Hopefully Kyrie gives us some fun stuff tomorrow in Portland and grabs another W. But big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.